This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. And welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. I'm so glad you've made it here for another great episode. My name is Clark, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And we've created this space for anyone who's trying to get it right for their pastor, for their church, for the kingdom. And if that's you, we're glad you're here. Consider us family. But before we jump into the episode today, I wanted to talk to you about a new space we've created for online leadership development for second chair leaders that I'm so excited about. We call it Leading Second Plus. Leading Second Plus is one of our online learning sites for second chair leaders. And we've put our very best into a space to help you grow and develop as a leader. Your subscription gives you access to online courses, past live events, leadership labs, and teaching from some of the greatest second chair leaders that we know. And we've worked hard to put it all in one convenient space for you. So if you're interested in growing and developing yourself as a leader, I wanna personally invite you to join us on Leading Second Plus. We're happy to offer all new members a seven-day free trial on us, and it would be our honor to come alongside you, to, to walk alongside you every day to take a new step in your leadership development. And if you oversee your church's leadership development, whether you're the lead pastor, an executive pastor, someone who oversees the leadership pipeline, there's something else we wanna tell you about, and that is Leading Second Pro. Leading Second Pro is the avenue to make Leading Second Plus available for your whole team. So if you're interested in in signing up for that free trial or learning more, you can go to leadingsecondplus.com. Well, for today's episode, we're excited to welcome Wade Joy to the podcast. He's a coach, a speaker, a podcaster, and the author of a new book called This Dream, is not for you. And he's going to sit down with Brandon today and talk through the contents of the book and give us a little sneak peek. This Dream is Not For You is available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or you can also visit his website, wadejoy.com for more details. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in to the conversation today. Well, Wade, I am so excited and honored uh, to have you on the Leading Second podcast today. Welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you so much, Brandon. I have been looking forward to this a lot. Yeah, I have heard the best things about you over the years. Of course, I've been impacted by your ministry at Elevation. I'll let you tell everybody that story here in a minute. So thank you for what you've you know, done and how you've served the greater body of Christ. And I'm excited for the current season that you're in. Um, you're, I believe you're just going to be such an incredible blessing and help to churches everywhere. So I'd love to, if you just get us started and tell us a little bit about you and um, where you're at in ministry today. 
Well, thank you for, for the kind words. I, I appreciate that. And like I said, I've been looking forward to talking to you because we were just saying a bit ago before we started recording, we have a mutual friend in Larry Bry, right, who has right. um, been a dear friend that I got to serve with for many years and a dear friend of yours. So I'm glad this connection was finally made. But right now I serve as um, a coach and a podcaster and, and, a, <laughs> and a preacher. Uh, so I, I'm doing a lot right now, but I'm enjoying all of it. I work a lot with worship leaders and worship pastors. I like to go on and, and coach staff teams on, on healthy leadership and, and spiritual formation. Um, but I really, from my background in, in being the worship pastor at Elevation, I really enjoy just helping worship pastors build healthy culture Beautiful. on their team. And then beyond that, with, with my podcast and my book coming out, I like just to, to talk to people about how to trust God with their dreams and how to really yeah. anchor their purpose in something more significant than just their preference. I'm so excited about what you're doing in ministry in this season. And that's actually uh, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk out of your new book coming, This Dream Is Not For You. And I'm just so excited to draw some parallels to this today to second chair leadership. I hope um, that we see some leaders in the second chair really find a, a new and better anchor for, you know, and perspective on this subject of your dreams. And like you said, um, anchoring it to something bigger than ourselves, which is the heart of a second chair leader, someone leading leading mm -hmm. from the middle like we all are. So why don't you get us started and just tell us about it? Because I, I absolutely love this book. I think it's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, this book really gets to the heart of um, what I think is a temptation, not just in our current culture outside of the church, but even within the church. And that is um, to misappropriate our purpose and, and think that it's found in chasing our dreams or pursuing our dreams and ultimately defining ourselves by our dreams. And I, I mm. believe when that happens, it's dangerous because whatever you assign meaning and purpose to is what you give power to in your life. Wow. So if you think your dream and you living in that dream is what defines you and what gives you purpose, then if you don't get the dream, which has happened to all of us in, in some form or another, then you either feel like, well, uh, uh, I'm not really walking in God's best for my life, or I missed my purpose. I took a wrong turn somewhere along the way, or you get the dream and it's not what you thought it was. Life is still hard. You still struggle with contentment and you wonder, um, well, what, what did I miss? What did I get wrong? And so I think God has called us to be dreamers, but God has called us to be disciples first. And so the yes. book is really about how do we dream with the posture of a disciple, which is surrender, which is open hands, which is anchoring our identity and our purpose in something more secure, something deeper, something greater. And I think from that, um, we're able to dream bigger. We're able to dream with more expectation because we're not controlled by the dreams anymore. And what happens, whether we live in them or don't live in them, it doesn't crush us. It doesn't destroy us. Right. Even if it's disappointing, um, we can still trust God in the middle of it. So I, yeah. I talk about my journey at Elevation through the book and some different shifts that I had to make with my dreams. I talk about um, experiences with my family and my three daughters, all who have different special needs, because you have professional dreams, you have personal dreams, dreams for your family, dreams for your church. And all of those have to be, um, 
given to the Lord and surrender. So that's really the, the yeah. heart of the yeah. book. Let me tell you why I liked it. Why I thought your book was, was so necessary is I think we've done young people and young leaders a disservice. I mean, wrestle through this with me for a minute. I think we told leaders things like you can be anything you want to be. You know, you choose, follow your dreams. Like we made that the pinnacle of success. And I think you and I, and I'm going to ask you to tell your story here in a minute, but I think you and I both had moments and why I connect with your story so well is we both had moments where it seemed like the dream died or, you know, the dream changed. And, and if we've created this, you can be anything you want to be, follow, you know, all this stuff that we say that sounds good. It doesn't serve well in those moments. It doesn't serve well when Christ calls you onward and further and into his, his purpose sometimes. And I'd love for you to maybe just launch us into this and tell us about the day that you say your dream died, because that grabbed yeah. me in your story. Well, even just before I get that, just to piggyback off of what you just said, like with young leaders, I feel like we tell people that you're only fulfilled when you finally mm. get your dream. Mm. And I would talk to worship leaders all the time who felt like the dream of success for a worship ministry was recording an album or getting a song on the radio or, right. you know, looking like whatever other ministry or worship team they looked up to. And you spend your life chasing that and you miss the opportunity that's right in front of you. Right. And so I don't think success is about chasing personal fulfillment. I think it's about being faithful to fulfill your assignment. And that's Beautiful. where we find ultimate fulfillment, long-term fulfillment. Beautiful. So I learned that the hard way though, um, <laughs> because when I first, I was at Elevation Church as the worship pastor from 2007 to the end of 2021. So almost 15 years. And in 2007, I came on staff with the worship leader named Chris Brown, who's still there. Uh, and then Mac Brock, who served for almost a decade there. And we were asked by Pastor Stephen to build the worship ministry. And I was given the title worship pastor uh, over the 15 years, even though my title never changed, what I did changed almost every year. So I think every person listening to this on a church staff can relate to that, that sometimes your job title means nothing. Oh yeah. Uh, so, but as I, at the first seven years, I felt like I was living the dream I'd prayed my entire life for. I was leading worship at this church where God was doing amazing things. People were getting saved. I was, I was seeing my daughters get saved and be able to baptize them. I was pastoring this team. I was getting to write songs and record albums. And, and then as the team grew and the church grew, Elevation Worship grew, we started to tour and I was able to do all these things. And I loved it. And I felt called to support the vision of Pastor Stephen and the, the vision of the church. But I also really loved what I got to do and the seat that I was in and the role that I got to play. And I remember there was a Tuesday afternoon, we had our worship experience meeting and I stayed after as we were discussing an upcoming album and he had some version of this conversation. I'll give you the short version of it, but <laughs> sure. he basically said, Chris and Mac are incredible worship leaders and vocalists and songwriters. And I think they have a special anointing to do that. And he said, I think you're good at those things. And you've been able to serve well in the capacity up till now, but you've got a lid on that. 
I think though you have the potential and the gift to be a great pastor, a great leader, a great shepherd, a great con- contributor on the executive team. Um, but you're going to have to decide one day, are you willing to let go of what God has called you to be good at in order to take hold of what he wants you to be great at? Mm. Um, and so, um, that wow. was not a fun conversation in the moment. Um, that was actually really painful, uh, yep. to hear all the excuses like welled up inside of me of why I was more anointed than he thought I was. And I had this gifting and, and this couldn't be right. And, and he even told me too, he's like, you know, if elevation worship is still just the three of y'all in five years, then you haven't done your job as a leader of empowering other people. Right. And so I drove home that day and thankfully he also gave me time. He's like, this isn't a change we have to make right now. Um, although sometimes that, that happens. He's like, I, but this is something I need to prepare you for. And so I went home and I was like rehearsing that conversation, the whole drive home. Oh my gosh. We God. could just do a, a podcast episode on overcoming that conversation, right? You, oh, you, pr- you probably repaid that, re- replayed that in your mind a thousand times. <laughs> oh man. Um, and so I get upstairs, <laughs> I barely talk to my wife. I go up and I, I sit on my, the foot of my bed and I'm just having this very honest conversation with God. I'm like, God, how could you have asked me to build this thing? And then right when it's starting to grow and right when it's starting to like, I'm seeing it come to life of what I've always thought it could be. You're asking me to step back. And after a while, I looked at my Bible was open on the dresser of where I'd stopped reading it that day. And I decided just to grab it and do the whole, like, God speak to me through whatever verses right here, which usually is not a good strategy, (laughs) but right there, it was open to what I'd read that morning where David had a desire to build the temple. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good yep. desire. It came from a good heart. And Nathan came back to him and said, this dream is not for you. It's actually Gosh. for your son Solomon to do. And while I am in no way trying to say that I'm in any way comparable to David, um, I knew in that moment that that was the Holy spirit speaking to me that in the same way, David had to um, prepare his son to live in the dream that David wanted to live in, that God was asking if I was willing to help build a team that would live in the spot that I had wanted to be in. And could I find my satisfaction in pushing them forward? Gosh. And I wish I could say that when I had that realization, all of a sudden my heart changed. Right. But it didn't, but I knew that this was from God and that it wasn't just from Pastor Stephen, it was God working through Pastor Stephen to develop something in my character. Um, and so that started the process over a couple of years of me trying to diversify my satisfaction from what I was doing with my own hands, with my own voice to what I could do through other people. And it was a long process. And I remember, I don't write about this necessarily in the book, but I'll give you a little inside. Oh, scoop. come on now. Come on now. So a couple of years later, we were about to record an album called Only King Forever. And yep. I, w- I would always get really nervous around album time because it got a little tense because, you know, that the, God had brought amazing worship leaders to the team, but there's only so many songs on an album. So right. not everybody was going to get to sing and people that used to sing wouldn't sing anymore. And I was praying one day because I was going to have to navigate all these conversations. I was like, God, when are they going to realize that it's not about 
an album. It's about building your church. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, well, you haven't gotten it yet. So how can they get it? <laughs> and I think that was like the final, like kick in the butt for me <clears throat> that, that, okay, I've got to figure like this transition is not just about me and my heart. It's actually about the culture of our team. Okay. So hold on. Just you, you can't drop a bomb and not unpack <laughs> that for us. So share what you're comfortable, like why, what, what, where were you at? Like in that, in that moment, why was God responding to you that way? So it was, like I said, like Pastor Stephen had given me several years to, to kind of work through this. And I was slowly backing out of my role, but I was, I was really trying to hold on as, as much as I could. And I will always, let me just say this. I will always thank Pastor Stephen for the kindness of being direct with me about what he saw in me and the path he saw for me. Even if I didn't like it in the moment, it showed me belief, number one, of it wasn't just what he didn't see in me. It was more of what he saw in me. And it gave me a path to to walk down. Um, But yeah, that that final moment was, oh, like this, I've, this is like, God is ready for me to make this shift. Wow. And I've got to, I've got to stop fighting him. Like he had been very patient with me in the, lo- the slow process of opening my hands. But I think that was the time I was like, okay, now you've got to be wow. a man and do this. And so I went into the team and just had a conversation of, Hey, it's, I, I've got to back away. And I didn't back away from everything all at once. It was more backing away from elevation worship. And I still led worship for a couple more years and then finally like stepped away from that. But it was the elevation worship thing and how like, um, I mean, I don't know what, prestigious or sexy or whatever that like, it's, it's just the fleshly side of that. It was like, yeah. Oh, I like, that's a massive platform. It's what I've always wanted to do. And even though I told people you're not defined by that, I was still defining myself as Wade, the worship leader. And I didn't know who I would be if I stepped away from that. And so I realized I had to go on this internal journey. If I was going to help other people on the team navigate that same process of discipleship and process of, uh, of transformation. Cause a lot of times, um, our own discipleship process, like I said, it's not just about us. It's about what God is going to ask us to part in part to the next generation and to the people that we have been entrusted to lead. And so that was kind of that final, like I said, um, step over the threshold into what I write about in this Gosh. book and what God, God taught me, you know, and it doesn't happen every day. Maybe it only happens, you know, a couple or a few times in our lifetime. I don't know. I'm only 42. I don't know everything about a lifetime here, but you know, there are moments where we all are asked to le- to lay down something, and I think sometimes those are as or more defining than the things that we pick up and do, and they are so personal and they are so hard. I I can. I've told my story on here several times about laying down my staff role when I was 30. It's my dream job. Even at the time of this recording, even 12, 18 months ago, you know, laying down a role for my pastor of leading our thriving, growing leadership conference, you know, but it, but it was time I had taken it where we could take it and someone else needed to take it further, you know, and I, even through that one, you just start to realize all over again, we get, we don't mean to, but we get our identity wrapped up 
in what we do. And the, I think the the most the best and most well intentioned people can find themselves in mm-hmm. these in these moments. We don't I didn't try to get there, you know. <laughs> um, would even have told people I wasn't there, you know. <laughs> um, but that's maybe where you really get tested. I mean, it's it's such like you said, a subtle thing. It creeps in, but God is so patient and so kind with us, and. And it's just constantly saying, hey, do you trust me? Do you, do you right. trust That's right. that there's something greater um, in terms of purpose, in terms of a fulfillment? I would say looking back on this now over, gosh, almost 10 years after that conversation, that um, one of God's greatest gifts to me was saying no to that dream. It was a dream I thought I couldn't yes. live without. Yes. But now looking back, once my hands were open, I was actually ready to take hold of what God wanted to do in the next season of life and ministry. Because so often we just want to define ourselves by this one chapter. We take Ephesians 3.20 and we talk about God can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. But we just want to do, we want him to do what we can imagine, but just crank it up to 11. <laughs> and God's like, no, there are things that you can't imagine yet, but you're not putting yourself in a posture and a place to receive that and walk in it. Wow. And so, yeah, that's been my story of, of like, wow. this, this book wasn't on my dream yep. board back then because I was only Wade the songwriter and yep. I'd had no room for being an author or being a coach or being a, a teacher. But God saw that he saw what I couldn't see. And that's why I needed to let go and trust and surrender. Yeah, very good. Thank you for sharing your story. And I just, I really feel, even if we just stopped here, we got more to talk about, but I feel like someone needed to hear this today Mm -hmm. because there is laying down that we all happen. And maybe someone can hear us. I mean, we're not old, but we got a little bit of life and experience now under our belt. Same is true for me. I think those moments of laying down, I would now call the best moments of my life or the most fruitful moments of my life, but they were difficult and they have potholes all over the road that you can, um, get caught in if you're not, if you're not careful, but it is, it is worth it in the end. Okay. Let's talk about second chair leadership for a minute now in this lens, because I'm really, I'm really fascinated by this, especially those that do serve in maybe an executive pastor role. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. But certainly everyone who leads somewhere in the middle in in the team. Here's an interesting question. I feel like sometimes we have to come to the understanding that our wins are when others win. Like there's there's actually in, in some of those roles, if you think about it, there's very few personal wins. You you win when your team wins or you win when your pastor wins. But, you know, tell me how an executive pastor notches up wins. You know, I can't, I can't think of a time. <laughs> um, and, and for the ambitious among us, you know, myself mm-hmm. and maybe you included, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting dynamic to get our head around. Would you agree? Oh, yes. <laughs> Very difficult. Because I feel like second chair leaders um, and as somebody who, I mean, I worked very closely with Pastor Steven, especially on things with the worship experience. Um, you can often feel like you're living in the shadow of someone else's dream. So yeah. you're living in the shadow of your leader's dream, and then you're helping them walk in their dreams. And then you're helping empower those you lead to walk in their giftings 
and their dreams. And sometimes you can feel either overlooked or like you said, not celebrated, or you don't get those <laughs> tangible wins yep. just that fill your own tank. But one of the things that really helped me with this, and it's something Pastor Steven said years and years ago, and I feel like anytime I coach, anytime I teach, I work this in because it was such a guiding light for me in ministry. He said, mature ministry is being more excited about what God does through others than what he does through you. And, and I realized that during that process of me letting go, the more I could see, okay, I'm not leading worship from the same seat or from the same spot on stage anymore, but I'm helping John Sal lead worship, who was an apprentice, who then came on staff and then started doing stuff that I used to dream about. Like I'm diversifying my satisfaction and placing some of that in him and in the investment wow. God's allowed me to make through him. And I'm still leading worship just from a different seat, just from a different spot. And the 100%. more I could start tangibly attaching and diversifying satisfaction into other people's wins and being trying to be the biggest encourager in the room, the biggest um, source of celebration, specific celebration. Um, the more I found my heart starting to change uh, and to really actually find fulfillment in that, it was less like, Oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. And it became actually like, Oh, my heart like really loves that. Yep. Um, but I think it's a challenge and I think it's messy and it's hard um, because we all have the natural tendency to want to be the center of our own dream. Right. Yet the process of discipleship, the process of walking with Jesus is realizing that our dream is never supposed to be about us. Like right. it's always about, it's about the kingdom. It's about um, serving others. And so I think a second chair leader gets to model it in such a beautiful way, what dreaming is supposed to be about. It's about pushing other people forward. So instead of seeing that as a limitation or a hurdle, it's actually a beautiful thing that you can demonstrate yep. to others. Like this is what it means yes. to die to yourself and to push other people forward. What, a, what an awesome yes. walking picture of the gospel and of a transformed life. And so I think when you start to picture it like, Oh, what is, what has God actually called me to display to the team? How can mm. I model this for them? It gives a whole new sense of purpose and right. intention behind that. So I would say that just to encourage like your, yes. your example actually says a lot to your team. And there's a win in that too, because you're building culture. You're showing yep. a often very young team, what it looks like to live the way of Jesus, to push other people forward. That's right. And so I would just, I, I, I commend and just celebrate second chair leaders for that. Cause it's hard, but it's necessary yeah. and needed. Totally. I, I just, you know, I think we, I said it already, but just want to give permission around this conversation. The best, the best of us with the best of intentions find ourselves in this struggle. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking as you're talking, even when we launched leading second, if I'm honest with you, like there was a part of me that wanted to build a cool ministry. You know, we got, we got the branding right, you know, or we got the colors right. Even our first mission statement was about connecting people to our ministry. And God got a hold of me during the pandemic. We were we were graced by a total ministry shutdown, you know, 24 months into existing as a ministry. So that was a pleasant experience. Um, you know, when, you're, when your ministry is built on getting on an airplane and planes don't fly, that's a 
inherent problem. But I actually felt God get a hold of me and say, are you trying to build a brand? Or are you trying to build my church? And that, that got me. In fact, at our first leaning second camp event, I actually announced a change in our mission statement and no one knew that I didn't, I didn't tell anybody this at the time, but we switched our mission statement around to be equipping local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. Like it's not about us raising up the leaders. We're not, I'm not that good. I can't, I can't do that for the global church, um, <laughs> but but I can equip churches everywhere to do that. And I it, it was it was a subtle shift, and honestly, probably meant next to nothing to anybody except for me. It was my way of saying, no, my fruit is actually going to show up in churches everywhere, and if 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 that's my fruit, I'm good with it. Yeah, our, 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 we, we this little baby ministry maybe can just be really potent and show up a whole lot of other places like the fruits out there rather than here. You know, I'm good. So I'm just kind of advocating just maybe we find ourselves back at this place time and time again, making sure. In fact, you call it in your book, you call it notice your narrative. I loved that phrase. You, you said this in the book. I thought I'd bring this out. You said the process of defining our dreams first starts with defining their place in the larger story. God is telling only then can we see our dreams and ourselves properly. So I'm not sure if you'd have anything you want to add on that. I thought notice your narrative was so brilliant. Thank you. I, I mean, I think it's, I was talking with someone today about how David has this amazing ability in the Psalms to reframe what he's going through. And, mm. and so in, in the book right there, I'm specifically talking about like taking your dream and realizing is this my story I'm telling or is this my, the part God's asked me to play in his story? And, and, and you see David do that when he's praying in response to being told no about the temple, he recounts how good God has been to Israel and to his family. And he just places it from a, a better narrative and a larger perspective. But even going to what you were just talking about with, you know, how this happens to the best of us, I think what I'm learning to do is notice my narrative in terms of when I start to go towards that pity party, um, when I start <laughs> yep. to go towards that, what was me? No one appreciates me. Cause we, like you said, we all go there at times and I'm learning that if I can like David in the Psalms, just be honest with God about this is where I'm at and not try to sugarcoat it, but actually bring it to God in prayer. So that's like for second chair leaders, I feel like you're not just the person supporting um, the spiritual leader of the staff in the church, like you need to be on your knees with God That's right. and, and That's really right. seeking the Lord and saying, God, purify my heart. And also like, like God, one time I felt like he said, don't just bring your neat and tidy prayers to me, bring your messy prayers. And I feel like when I bring my heart as messy as it is, then I'm able to take that heart and trust it to God and let God work that out and help reframe my narrative. But it starts with me acknowledging the narrative that I'm actually telling myself and realizing yep. that that's a lie. Yeah. Um, there was one Beautiful. time when we were, this was my last year on staff, January, 2021. Uh, I believe I'm horrible at dates, but we were recording an album called old church basement. And I had one of those moments, those pity party moments of where I felt like, everything was running so smooth. 
The songs were amazing, but I didn't really have much to do with the songs. The <laughs> visuals were amazing, but we had amazing teams that were doing that. Like everything was just going like really well. And I was sitting up at the top, just like, what, what am I doing? Like I'm the leader, but like, what, what am I doing? I feel like I don't have a role to play. I feel kind wow. of, um, unnoticed and just all this stuff. Like you said that I felt like I should be beyond, like, I feel like I should, I shouldn't still struggle with this. And I felt like God really laid it on my heart. It's like, well, one thing you can do is you can be the best encourager in the room. And over the next two days, I was like, okay, well, I can do that. I can't control that. And so I went and tried to encourage people specifically. And my heart began to change. And I began to see like, oh, these people are doing amazing things. And God's allowed me to serve them and to lead them. So I can like, I can find some fulfillment in that. But I had to actually take the step and just control what I could control in that moment, which were my words, even if my heart was kind of all over the place. And so just to reinforce that, like you said, we all struggle with it. I think the win comes from when we notice it and we can start to prepare for the times that maybe trigger that in our hearts so we can be better equipped to pivot quicker from the pity party and from the striving and more towards surrender and contentment. I just so appreciate this conversation and the recalibration from just performance-based ministry to fruit-based ministry, and sometimes asking ourselves, "What is the fruit I'm after?" I, I'm I, I love seeing people do great things for God. I yeah. I, I I'm here for it. And I, I tell God every day, I'll do everything he wants me to do today. Nothing more, nothing less. Like I am, I'm in for everything. But and again, I think I started hitting this more when I got toward 40, but it kind of became for me more about what if, what if my fruit's not going to show up on everybody else's vine? And would I still wake up today and work just as hard for, for that fruit to, you know, to show up as somebody else's harvest today. And, um, I appreciate this. Before we land, let's talk about one more topic. Let's talk about ambition. Okay. Oh, so yeah. I like to this be one. <laughs> to be in the second chair, at least my journey has never been to be to check my ambition at the door. So I think there's two things here that can live alongside each other. I would just love to hear your thoughts because I don't feel like it is a prerequisite of leadership in the second chair to check ambition. And to right. not be ambitious. The Bible does warn us about selfish ambition. So there, there is warning, not toward ambition, but toward selfish ambition. So right. I'd love to hear you wrestle this one out. Like, is ambition bad? Is it good? Can it be used for good? W what say you on ambition in the second chair? Um, I mean, I, I think ambition is a godly impulse when channeled in the right direction. Um, I think ambition needs to have the right spirit and the right direction. Um, and so the right spirit is humble out of love, um, out of service. The right direction is in a way that that is focused on the kingdom of God and pushing others forward. Um, and so, you, like you said, it's not directed towards self. It's directed towards something bigger and something greater. Um, and I think honestly, um, you know, ambition is necessary for, um, for second chair leaders. Number one, before I even get to that, like a lot of times we think ambition and contentment are polar opposites. I think, mm. 
I think they go hand in hand. I think we need to be ambitious to be faithful stewards of everything God's entrusted to us, our talents, our gifts, our experiences, our resources, our time. You see that all throughout the New Testament. Like we're not supposed to bury what God has given us. We're supposed to use it. Now, contentment is trusting God with the outcome of that ambition. It's saying, I'm going to work with all my mind and all my strength. And then God, I'm going to trust you with all my heart and, and trust you with the, with the outcomes. Now with the second tier leader, I would say that one of the worst things you can do for your senior pastor, your leader is to be passive and to expect them to have all the ideas and all the solutions. I think your ambition can fuel their ambition as long as it's submitted. I think one of the things that really fueled Pastor Stephen is when people would bring him ideas and, hey, like, what if we tried this? Because that would show that they cared about what we were building. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they had information that he didn't have and he didn't want to feel like he had to bring every idea to the organization and to the church. Like that's the beauty of a team is that we all have different perspectives. We all have different gifts. And if we can focus all that in the direction of building the church and discipling others, that's a really beautiful thing. And so Paul had ambition and it was his ambition to get the gospel to as many people as possible. Um, and so I think there's the ambition that we can have, um, that's submitted to the ambition of your lead pastor, where it becomes dangerous is if you have a competing ambition or a competing vision, mm. that's where it gets destructive. That's right. where it gets poisonous. But if your ambition can be submitted, then that's just fuel to the fire for your church mm. and for your leadership. Um, and I would also say, cause we mentioned earlier that sometimes it can feel like second chair leaders are always in the shadow of someone else's dream. I think it's important for you to have your own dreams for your life too. Um, to in your own walk with God, with your family, like God, what do you want me to dream about for this church, for this team, for our family, um, for the things that the hidden dreams that you've placed inside of me. And you have no idea how God's going to bring that to pass one day. But once again, those have to be submitted. Um, especially as long as you're called to, to be in that second are assigned to 100%. be in that seat. But I think someone who's not a dreamer and they have no, um, no ambition, I think that becomes a drain on your leader rather than an, like a source of energy for your leader. Yeah. Yeah. We need to have you back on the podcast just to do story time. I feel like there's just stories <laughs> I want to tell here. Like, man, I was just thinking about being 20 in between my two years in Bible school, walking, I was with a mentor of mine in England for the summer. He mm -hmm. he worked with pastors in Europe and England. Just sounded like a good thing to do to go spend the summer over there, you know, uh, bought a plane ticket, went over, you know, drove his car, carried his Bible, blah, blah, blah. But walking into a church one day, I felt God put on my heart that I would do this. Like it was, it was like the seed of the dream but it was 10 years before I would ever open my mouth and share that with my pastor and 10 hmm. years. And there would even seem like it died. It wasn't going to happen. I could, I could tell that story, but then when it did happen, not only did it bless my life, but it also 
took things in my pastor's heart forward. My pastor was at the age and season of his life where he really began to develop. I mean, we already had a leadership conference, but he really began to develop a heart to father and, and pastor other pastors. And so all of that coincided to this beautiful, this beautiful collision of, of, his heart, my heart, and it you know, became a, a conference and everything. It's just, it's blessed thousands and thousands and thousands of leaders. Um, had it happened in my timing, it wouldn't have been near as beautiful, you know, and it's still going today. It's still, still, yeah, you know, all, all swirling together for hopefully kingdom purpose. And I just love that you talk about submitting your dream because we, when, when you have to submit it, you don't see the end. You don't see where that submission is going to lead you. So maybe our little war stories here today can just give people an, <laughs> an anchor, you know, an anchor for your hope here that, yeah. that this stuff, like the God doesn't waste a dream in your heart mm-hmm. um, and he will be faithful to it, but his faithfulness is not can you know, confined by our limitations and our perspective. I love that. On that. There's there's a quote I wanted to read on, a, this one's not in my book. It's in Rescuing Ambition by Dave Harvey. I actually mm. taught this earlier today in a class. Uh, it says, a wrong understanding of humility quenches a lot of evangelical fire. Humility, rightly understood, shouldn't be a fabric softener on our aspirations. When we become too humble to act, we've ceased being biblically humble. True humility doesn't kill our dreams. It provides a guardrail for them, ensuring that they remain on God's road and move in the direction of his glory. And so I think what we've talked about today is, is really finding those guardrails for our ambition, for our dreams. In and of themselves, they're not bad things. They're beautiful things, but they can get out of alignment very easily. And so I think yes. that's that's the challenge not just of leadership, but of life, of how do we check our heart daily yep. to see when it's out of alignment, which once again gets back to, I think the best thing a second chair leader can do is have a thriving relationship with the Lord, because Absolutely. that's going to be the biggest um, check on your heart and indicator of yep. your health. Yep. Okay. Before I ask you last question here, I, I'm going to just, this is going back a few minutes, but you said contentment is trusting God with the outcome of your ambition. I thought that was so good. I don't know if that was in the book or if that's leading second podcast brilliance, but either way, we're grabbing <laughs> it today. That was awesome. But I, I thought this, you mentioned Paul, you know, Paul's ambition was to preach in Rome and yet mm-hmm. his contentment would be Paul's route to Rome was through the prison system. And he yeah. got there. He just did not get there. Um, probably the way he imagined getting there. He also, from that prison cell that probably felt like death from that prison cell gave us the crown jewel of his writings, you know, and, and some of his final words. And, you know, you just, you just think God is so redemptive of those moments in prison in his life to give us his living word. And he's, you know, in, in a, in a, in our own personal way, we'll do it for us as well. And, um, Thank you so much for your perspective today. I love this. I am fired up. I could talk to you for about two more hours. Oh, I've, had, I've had a great time. I'm going to ask you the last question. I, I just love to ask stuff like this at the end. Obviously, someone listening now needed this conversation. Most have clicked off. Some are still here. So if they're here, they needed this conversation today. So just speak right to the heart of the leader who has ambition, but they mm-hmm. want to be faithful to 
the Lord. They want to be faithful to their current ministry assignment in the second chair. Just take 60 seconds and just minister straight to their heart. What would you tell that leader if they were sitting in front of you right now? Yeah, I would tell them that number one, God sees you. Even if you feel like no one else notices you or they don't see the work that you put in, they don't see how heavy the load can be for you, that God sees it, God knows it, and God has placed you here and assigned you here for a reason, and he's going to equip you to handle that. I would also say that um, when you are faithful day in and day out to do the small things well, um, to be consistent in how you love, how you lead, how you forgive, how you parent, how you have the hard conversations. I believe the greatest impact that we see in our life isn't through these dramatic events that sometimes get celebrated. I think they're through the daily acts of faithfulness. And I think as a second chair leader, you are constantly accruing daily acts of faithfulness that are going to be monumentally transformational in people's life. Even if you don't see it in the moment, even if it's not the thing on the stage that everybody sees now, what you're doing and what you're sowing into people, that is changing them and making them into better followers of Jesus. So stay the course. Don't get discouraged. Don't let fear win, but keep trusting God. Keep walking with him. He sees you. He chose you and he's with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your investment today, Wade. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for listening to the conversation today. I'd encourage you to support Wade and find his book, This Dream Is Not For You, available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or you can visit wadejoy.com. That's W-A-D-E. J-O-Y-E dot com for more details. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.